You are listening to the Quest for Wholeness podcast, a biopsychosocial spiritual guide. If you're interested in the human experience, health, wholeness, and how everything is interconnected, then you are in the right place. In this show, we will explore the interconnected realms of health that lead to whole human beings. My name is Lexi Burrs, and I'm passionate about holistic well-being, longevity, and I'm armed with an education in psychology. I'm so grateful to have you here with me. Welcome to a Quest for Wholeness podcast. Coming up on a Quest for Wholeness podcast. It's pretty obvious if you know your children. Um, it's pretty obvious when they're struggling. And I think, you know, whether they have anxiety inwards or outwards, um, you just, you have to talk to the teachers and staff. You can't brush it under the rug. You can't just, you know, hope that they're going to outgrow it. Even if it's just for that year or, you know, that particular situation, let somebody know. Jamie Hughes is a strong and real mama to three, Nana to a beautiful baby girl, preschool teacher, blogger, and lover of nature and sunsets. Jamie is a devoted mother, a passionate preschool teacher, and a driven business owner. With 17 years of sobriety, she's cultivated resilience and strength that profoundly influences her parenting style. Guiding young minds in the classroom and navigating the entrepreneurial landscape both bring her immense joy and fulfillment. Jamie's journey with sobriety has shaped her perspective on life, emphasizing resilience, empathy, and open communication. Each facet of her life contributes to the unique mosaic that defines her, and she's so excited to share her story, insights, and perspectives with those around her. Jamie has known me since I was about 12. Her oldest daughter and I were best friends, and I spend a lot of time with them over at Jamie's house. Her whole family are warm, silly, and welcoming people, and it's so cool to have Jamie on this show. Jamie was also a huge source of empowerment when I proposed to my family and friends that I was thinking about starting a podcast. She told me a bit about her journey with her youngest daughter and how she felt now was the time to share this story. I'm so grateful to hold this space for Jamie to explain her daughter and her family's experience. Anxiety is something that we all deal with, some worse than others, and can affect our psychological and physical health. Childhood anxiety can be even more challenging as children may not be able to communicate their feelings, thoughts, and fears. This topic encompasses the dynamic nature of health and how our mental state can influence a change in our physical state and vice versa. Here we go with Jamie Hughes. So Jamie, I'd love to start this conversation by jumping right in and having you tell us what childhood anxiety is and how this came on your radar. Um, so childhood anxiety is obviously anxiety in children. Um, it is something that I never really realized was happening because it's just something that wasn't really talked about or discussed like in our family or even in society at the time when it was happening. And so now in retrospect, like now that we're on the outside of the box rather than inside, I, uh, I can see all of these different things that were kind of leading up to the anxiety that we've experienced with our daughter. And um, so, yeah, she was a very different baby from the other two, my other two daughters. They were very calm, um, slept really well, uh, easy, like easy to go to new people. They weren't really, um, they were just, they were just like chill babies. And mm -hmm. my youngest was just, she wasn't like that at all. She was very, um, she made strange with everybody and like quite, she really made strange. Like it wasn't even just a let her warm up to you. It was like, nope, it's going to take, you know, it's going to take two or three visits before she's going to be comfortable. So she was very attached to me from birth. Um, she would go to my oldest daughter. She would go to her dad, um, her, my middle daughter, but 
um, mostly she just, she wanted me, she needed to be close to Mm -hmm. me. And, um, and then she was just like, she didn't sleep. She wasn't a very good sleeper. She was up quite a bit. She had a lot of, um, dreams, nightmares, things like that as she started getting older. But it was so crazy because you'd see her, like people knew her as like this wild, free, just the happiest, funniest little human when she was little, providing I was close by. Like she was just, right. she would do the craziest and funniest things. And I have all these photos of her and she's just like making these hilarious faces. And she was always the ham. She was always the ham in you know, the situation or the relationship between her and her sisters. And then um, two weeks before the pandemic, she was in the bath and she would have been, what was that? 2019. She would have been seven, six, maybe six or seven. And she was in the bath and she just started crying and she just cried and she was hysterically crying. And I was like, what is going on? And I, sat with her and I just kept asking her like what's wrong what's wrong and she was just like I feel like somebody's gonna get sick and she just she kept saying it and I was like I was yeah I was kind of like uh I don't know what's going on here and she was kind of a little bit witchy like that too I got shivers (laughs) (laughs) so then two weeks later the pandemic was announced and I was like I was like oh wow okay But I think what I've learned with kids with anxiety, um, they're very in tune to their environment. They're very in tune to energy. They're just on a different frequency, I feel, than the kids that are just kind of easygoing and, you know, can just go with the flow. Like kids that are anxious and have anxiety, I feel, are just very much, they're always on. They're always, they're observing everything. They're picking everything up. They, it's just, it's just a completely different, um, vibe. And, um, yeah, I don't really know how to explain that, but, um, anyway, yeah, there's so, like this, like level of, of hyper awareness to their yeah. environment and overstimulation, right. From that oh, hyper yeah. awareness. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like she, she couldn't handle that. Like loud noises, um, little things like that. We kind of, we noticed like, as you know, as she got older, and then, so I homeschooled them because we had to, the kids had to come out of, yeah. um, they had to come out of school. She did have separation anxiety in kindergarten. And then that was quite bad. That actually lasted quite a while. And then uh, the pandemic happened. We made sure to, as a family, we were always hiking. We were always traveling. We were always, you know, out in nature. It was, it's really funny because so many people are always like the pandemic is the worst time of my life. And honestly, for me, it was one of the best times of my life because me too. I thrived. My, I thrived. <laughs> yeah. We, we thrived as a family. Like the girls were so happy because I made it my goal to just keep them kind of, I just didn't want them to deal with any of the stuff that was going on. And I didn't yeah. want them to pick any of that up. And I just wanted them to sleep and feel safe and, you know, just be okay. So we just did all the things that we love, which is, you know, hiking and traveling and things like that. We, we traveled to outdoor um, adventures because you weren't really supposed to be traveling at the time. So we did a lot of outdoor stuff and hiked waterfalls and all of these different things. So they were completely fine. Um, And then I took her, we took, she was in grade two and she unfortunately had a teacher that she just did not jive with and it just completely set off this world that I was just not prepared for. Like she threw up to go into the classroom the one day and then I had to go to the school because she was freaking out so bad. So the teachers and staff were just kind of like, yeah, like she just doesn't want to go into class and she's like adamant about it. And she's crying and all of these things. And like, she would come home and she would just look like the walking dead. Like she would have, Mm -hmm. she would be so pale. She'd have dark circles under her eyes. She, she was really struggling. And so over time, we just kind of kept trying all of these different things for her. Like 
letting her work in the hallway and letting her work in the office. And she could, she could be anywhere in that school except for that classroom. So we kept having these meetings and I knew what the trigger was. I knew that it was her teacher and I knew that she was just not meshing with him. And then I just, I had to reach out for um, outside help. I just, the school wasn't um, equipped to deal with it. And so we reached out to some outside therapy. We got um, play therapy in Kamloops, which was the closest city. The woman was amazing. Um, In our interviews, she told me like she has severe school anxiety and these are her triggers. So um, the teacher walking through the door, um, the loud noises, the kids running in the hallways, like things like that, they were all um, triggers for her. So once we got those reports, they, she sent those to the school and then the school kind of started working with what we were dealing with. So they, they shifted where she entered the school. Um, and then she was, we were extremely fortunate to get uh, a permanent EA, um, an education assistant. Oh, and only because we identify as Métis. And if we didn't, she mm-hmm. wouldn't have, she wouldn't have gotten anything. Like she would have had to have fought for an EA, which is so wrong. Like there's no way she would have been able to go to public school without this woman who is an absolute godsend. So once she got to familiarize herself with her, she was able to go to, to class. But as long as this woman was in the class and that started to become a bit of a problem because then I think the teacher felt like he was being babysat. So not so much, not so much babysat, but just, you know, to have another person. And I understand that that would be, that would be tough to have, you know, someone in the class all the time. And, but it was the only way that we could get her into the class. So um, then she started having nightmares about a dark figure chasing her. Um, Those on the nightmare days, I knew that that day for school was going to be really difficult. Um, And then we actually had to move her therapy to town, but it just, it wasn't available until um, she was quite a, like probably a year into this. And Mm -hmm. so we finally got her into the therapy in town, the play therapy. And it was, it was awful. Like we had to, I had to go through an hour long interview process with this intake worker who basically made you feel like you were um, like the worst parent in the world. Like she, some of the questions that she asked and just like how personal it was. And just, you know, they, they didn't really have a lot of emotion. So when they were asking me some of the questions, um, I think I was maybe humiliated and maybe, um, I don't know. I just kind of felt like I was failing as a mom. Right. So anyways, sorry. (laughs) No, take your time. And just so our listeners know too, I grew up with Jamie's eldest daughter, who was my best friend for a long time. And, you know, I know you as a very involved, loving and caring mother. I think you were one of, one of, I don't want to say the only, but one of the only moms who would who would engage <laughs> with us and would would spend time with us and i know how that that how impactful that is for kids too so yeah. to be identifying an issue for your child and seeking out help for them and to be met with um met with people like that who aren't very empathetic and understanding is is so challenging so challenging when you're just yeah. trying to make the best steps for your kid. Yeah. Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> of course. Um, she, and you know, and I understand that it's the process because it's the government and they're, they're funding this, this therapy. So if you, if you go through the ministry of children and families, you, you have to, you have to basically play the game. You have to, you know, go through the motions with them because it's government funded and, but it's just, 
it shouldn't be so difficult and it shouldn't be so personal. Like mm-hmm. you should just, you should just be able to go in there and just say like, you know, my child needs play therapy or any kind of therapy. And there shouldn't be all of these walls and all of these questions um, that just belittle you. Like some of the questions were absolutely unnecessary. Like there was, there was no, no reason for them. Um, you know, I feel like the intake process should be a lot more. Um, it should be a lot more warm. It should be a lot more empathetic. It should be, it just, it just felt very robotic. So, but I did it. And um, I guess throughout the process that they were doing the intake process, they're also testing um, your child for ADHD. Okay. So they did the test for her because I guess if she did have ADHD, they would have to um, move her to a different kind of therapy program. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so she didn't end up having ADHD and she doesn't. Um, So it was, she got accepted for the play therapy, which was great. Uh, She went once a week. And then I remember the one day she was doing really well. And I remember the one day the play therapist was like, okay, so she's doing well. So this is our last session. And I was like, what? And that was it because, you know, there was people in line behind her and you basically are are only allotted a certain amount of time or a certain amount of sessions. And then it's like, good luck to you. And then she said, if, if she, you know, down the road struggles again, you can reapply and basically go through the intake process again. And I was, I mean, thankfully, we didn't have to do that again, but I couldn't imagine if I did. Like, I can't imagine the families that need to use those services for a lengthy amount of time. Right. Like, I just, I can't imagine how they must feel and how, how many hoops they have to jump through in order to get help for their children. And it's, it's just so wrong. But, I have questions on that. And I yeah. want to circle back to what you were saying before. So before you you got hooked up with these resources and were working with the school. I would just want to go back to that moment you mentioned of your daughter in the bathtub and just crying. So yeah. during that period of time, did you guys know what was going on or were you more just kind of managing these distressing behaviors as they came up? Oh, it was, it was always, I was always on, on uh, not damage control, but, crisis control (laughs) just crisis control always and it just to me it was just who she was like she's just Mm -hmm. an extra kind of person she's just uh you know she's to yeah it was just but then the meltdowns like she started having these really big meltdowns like they were they were huge and there was some times where I would just have to walk away and breathe because then we'd both be melting down. And then you're no good to her. (laughs) No, no. So this, but I just thought that was her personality. And like, um, I remember she had a swimming instructor that she was absolutely terrified of, but she had gone to swimming in a, in William Blake, another community and was completely fine. But then Mm -hmm. she had this swimming instructor and she would just freeze. And there was no way that she would walk into that pool, like no matter what I did. So there was times like that, that would happen um, that I would get really frustrated because there would be no rhyme or reason. It would just, it would just come about and she would just like freeze or freak out or have these meltdowns or so now, like later when I started learning about anxiety and realizing what she was going through, I finally realized like, that's what all of this has been. You know, she's just, she's just been anxious and her anxiety just completely takes over. And yeah, like it's, that's what it's been all along. So, and then with her being hypersensitive to everything, she would, you know, pick things up or pick up vibes from people or energies. And that was, the two just kind of go hand in hand. I think you mentioned something 
pretty powerful there that I think we should take a moment to honor too is the fact that, you know, recognizing when she's in a meltdown and you're on the verge of your own meltdown, stepping away. And I, I can only imagine what that's like as a parent. And maybe there's something we can talk about for parents who might be dealing with um, their own children with anxiety, because if you can't regulate yourself, being there for them is going to be a challenge. So what did that process look like for you in those moments when you're trying to, you know, regain your composure to go back and, and support her? Um, I mean, honestly, a lot of times they were really chaotic. Because I was working too, at the, and uh, you know, as a preschool teacher, and and you know, having all of these little people around, like I, I thankfully had families that were very understanding, and they kind of realized what we were going through, and I would just have to tell them, like, I can't, I can't deal with anything right now, but her, like, if if it was a really bad day at school, um, you know, the EA would let me know, and. I would just let the parents and families know, like, today's a bad one. Like, you know, you need to basically pick up and go. Like, there's no, um, Mm -hmm. you know, hanging out or whatever. So for us as a family, we just kind of started living and working around her. Like, we had to. And it was hard because you know, my middle daughter, I always felt like she was kind of being ignored. And and the days when it was really, really bad, like I just had no, I had nothing left. I had, yeah, I had nothing left to give. And I was breaking. So um, yeah, that was really hard. But we were getting somewhere with her and I was learning to um, I was learning to recognize different things and I was learning to um work with whatever whatever kind of day she was going to have I I started to recognize it and I started to um pick up her cues Mm -hmm. we started um we started doing baths because I remember I did this course on um on anxiety so it just it just talked about like different cues different Um, like if they're tired, um, if they're super fidgety, if they're a little bit more emotional than normal, if they're talking like a mile a minute, um, if they're, yeah, there was, I mean, I don't really know what else she would do. The fidgeting was a lot. Um, being indecisive was a lot. Um, asking a lot of questions about, whoops, sorry, <laughs> the phone was ringing. Um, asking a lot of questions about the day. Uh, she always needed to be prepared. Uh, so that I started to uh, make sure that she was prepared. We did calendars. Mm-hmm. We did uh, a lot of visual stuff so that she could see, like, this is what's coming today. Um I would make sure that I was always available for sports. Um, I would have to meet with her coaches for school. I had to meet with her teachers. Like we just, our life is based around her anxiety in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if we don't do it that way, for me, everything that comes with just winging it, um, it, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like if we just kind of live our life and just hope that it's going to be great and, you know, take her to school like every other kid and just be like, well, I don't know who your teacher is. Like, you know, but have a good, have year, a good day. Yeah. 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 It just doesn't work that way for her. And it, eventually it might, but she needs to know who they are. She needs to kind of get a, a sense of, of, um, like their energy, same with like, you know, her baseball coach or a soccer coach or whatever. If she, if they're, you know, a person that she's not going to jive with, it's just not worth my, my time and money energy and, <laughs> and energy. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want, I don't want to go and sit there and watch her chew her fingernails and, you know, just be in a hurry to get off the field or, or cry or, you know, whatever, like she's gotten a lot better. Um, 
her her crying is like minimal like she's she is outgrowing a lot of it but I'm I wouldn't say it's outgrowing I would say she's using her tools and so back to what I was saying like we started doing things um uh like having a bath first thing in the morning I Mm. I read this thing about children and being in water Mm. and it just says that it just said that you know it's it's a familiar feeling like being in their mother's womb. So when in doubt, put them in water is basically what the, ah. what the saying was. So we actually started doing a bath every morning before school and that worked really well. Um, and then, yeah, the rest is just like we do. We talk a lot. We're always prepared. Um, we know as a family kind of, what things might uh, might not suit her well or what you know what could trigger her anxiety um so yeah we just kind of work as a family and um yeah she's she's doing really well she knows what gives her anxiety she's old enough now um she talks about it she is not afraid to tell people about it she doesn't feel like she's weird. She doesn't feel like there's anything wrong with her. Um, I tell her about like, I'm feeling really anxious right now, or Mm -hmm. I have a lot of anxiety right now. Um, We all do as a family, like, you know, we talk about it very openly. She tells her teachers if she, you know, is having like a difficult time or if something is um, affecting her. So we've gotten her to this place which is amazing. And I think one thing that I really, I really want parents to always do is just give their kids that grace, Mm -hmm. like give them that grace and give them those tools to just say, to say what's going on, to say how they're feeling. Um, Because if they don't, then they, I feel like they just, they're just going to get lost. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about the tools too, but before we go there in our pre-show meeting, we talked a little bit about this perception of anxiety um, amongst adults, but especially kids, I feel like too, that um, it's not a big deal. They're just kids or anxiety isn't a really big deal. Everyone's dealing with the stresses of the world. So with that kind of being a dominant mm, opinion in society, I'm really curious to hear how this process was approached with teachers and other adult figures in her life and how they responded. Was everyone cooperative and supportive? (laughs) Oh, no, no. (laughs) I kind of, sorry. And I also kind of feel like I'm rambling a little bit because I'm just like, I'm trying to remember things and kind of going through the path and the journey as, and then also trying to throw in a little bit of, what we've done. And, um, yeah, I just, I feel like I'm kind of rambling a little bit. No, but... it's great. It's great. <laughs> okay. Keep, keep going. Okay. And I'll, I'll ask the questions I keep, want to <laughs> keep rambling. Um, no. So what was happening when, so she went through, so her, her complete eruption, I want to call it like when this just all came to the surface. So this um, was like, like 2019 as well. So she's like seven. Yep. It was, seven so it, was there? Great. It, it was grade two. Okay. And so from, from October until March was, um, when she was quite bad. And then, so this is the very beginning of the pandemic too. Is that correct? Yeah. So this is when they all actually went back to school. Yeah. So they, they all went back to school and nobody was thinking about how this pandemic was affecting these kids. No. So she was definitely not alone, but the difference with her and a lot of kids with anxiety is she, her anxiety is very outward where Mm -hmm. a lot of um, kids with anxiety are inward. Like they're just quiet. They shut down. She doesn't shut down. Like her, her stuff is, is out there. It's very visible, which is great for us because we were able to see it and we were able to recognize it. Um, so yeah, at the beginning, it was just kind of like, we don't know what's going on here. Like, 
what, you know, we don't know what her problem is basically. And then over time and over with us seeing the therapist in Kamloops and her sending the school, her report, then they were like, oh, okay, we're, this is anxiety. So we're going to have to treat this as anxiety. And then it became more and more that it was talked about in the school. And then the teachers started going to um, courses for anxiety because they realized, holy crap, this is an epidemic. Like all of these kids in all of these schools across the world were struggling. Yeah. And so all of a sudden they started putting in these programs for all of these teachers and these workshops um, to work with kids that were like my daughter and struggling with anxiety and just kind of how to work with them. So that was good because I feel like her um, being an outward person kind of was a bit of a maybe a push in our school to to get the help for her and to have mm-hmm. um I mean I think the workshops and the and the courses and stuff were probably coming down the pipe anyway because I think a lot of kids were struggling province-wide so um but yeah it was it was weird it was kind of uh it was a little bit of an out-of-body experience for me <laughs> and I was I wasn't, um, I wasn't able to be the mom that I've always strived to be because I think I was just constantly in chaos control, like you said. And I was really, I was really angry. Like I was really angry. I was angry at parents. I was angry at kids. I was angry at the school. I was angry at the society like I was angry at the pandemic I was just because I didn't really understand like you know why is why does this have to happen to us like kind of yeah yeah like I don't know I don't really know how to explain that either I'm kind of no everyone goes there too right you know I think that's like yeah you try to be a certain way and then it's like this curveball gets thrown at you especially during that that was a highly stressful time Oh, it was everybody. Well, it, was, it was brutal because, yeah, I just, I just kept thinking, you know, I'm raising my kids to be great human beings, and they are, they were, they are great human beings, and they're, they're just good people. And I just thought, why does this have to happen to us? And I mean, it could be worse. I know that. I know that there's, you know, families that deal with far worse. Um. But I just didn't expect it. I didn't expect it for us. I didn't expect um, everything that she kind of went through was really hard, like to think about as a mom, to think about her being alone, like working in the hallway. And kids were kind of, kids were pretty cruel to her at the beginning because, and it wasn't like now that, I, now that we're out of it, I'm, I'm not angry at the kids I, I was at the time. I was angry at more their parents, but I also now understand that it was really hard for them to understand what she was going through. But like she was ostracized. She wasn't invited to um, birthday parties. Like kids called her crazy and they picked on her. And like, I think that that was probably one of the hardest things. So um, I was pretty determined to help her. Um, I think I lost, uh, well, I don't think, um, I definitely lost a few friends through that too, because I wouldn't say friends, I would say more acquaintances. Right. Because I was so angry with how some kids were treating her. And but they were also very young and they didn't really understand, you know, why she was so much like why, you know, she would just be so loud or crying all the time or, you know, the things that she went through. Another 
another thing that she would go through when she'd be super anxious is um, she would exaggerate. So we would be at sports sometimes and she would just like kind of freak out like things would because when when a child with anxiety is going through um, their their episodes basically um, they can't even think straight like she she couldn't learn because she couldn't focus um, but at the same time she was doing fine like in school but she wasn't retaining anything because it was just you know, her brain was just so busy. And so she hit, well, all of us, people with anxiety, when, when we're anxious, we kind of see things for how we see them, not for how they, how they are. So she would see things as, um, against her. Like that was, that was one of the hardest things too, was that everything was always against her. Everyone was against her. Um, you know, a child, a couple of children would be whispering or something and for sure it would be about her. And so she, she was a pretty broken little soul for quite a long time. And I think that actually has probably improved huge in maybe the last year and a half. Um, she still, she still has insecure moments and um, but it's nothing like it's nothing like it was and I think that's also maturity because she's maturing with her anxiety and she's kind of able to differentiate between um, what's real and what or not I shouldn't say real but what's actually happening versus how she's perceiving it so right. that that's that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing for anybody to, to learn. Absolutely. I feel like as an adult, I still have to constantly remind myself if I hear whispering or, or something, you know, I do struggle with anxiety. So I know this skill very well, but with a fully developed brain, I still struggle with that. So in the context of a child, that's huge. And I think it's really important to have support like like yourself for your child in that space. And I know you mentioned you guys kind of had access to a couple different play therapy groups. So I want to go back to that. So after you were in the play therapy group in your town, in your community, um, and you were excused from that, I guess, because she was better, what did that look like next? Because maybe the symptoms are reducing for her, but this isn't something that's just treatable, right? She's going to have to live with this and develop and mature with this. So what, what did that look like next for you guys? What kind of tools or resources did you guys have as a family uh, for her? Um, so just a lot of communication, obviously. Um, we would do the bath. Um, communication with teachers and staff was huge. Like I, I didn't care, you know, what I had to email, if I had to email something, I would just, I would just email, you know, um, this is how she's feeling. This is what happened. This is what's going on right now. Like, this is what we're addressing right now. Um, just the communication had to be huge. Um, we would do the bath. We would, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it was just basically trial and error after we were done with the play therapy and just kind of seeing where her comfort level was in different scenarios and situations and just knowing um, when to throw in the towel and when to not push her. So I don't know, like a lot of, like I say tools um, that she got, but I think, I think a lot of the tools that she has is just awareness like that's the biggest mm -hmm. one is her own awareness and and me as a parent like you have to be aware and you have to like watch for their cues you have to kind of take it day by day and celebrate the victories no matter how big they are and not stress so much about the the bad days 
I, I'm curious what your advice would be for parents who are navigating this or something similar in communicating with schools and teachers, because from my understanding of people in my family and space who have kids, sometimes that can be a challenge of, of schools or teachers not being very receptive or understanding or empathetic. So what advice would you have for, for those parents? Um, well, I think it's pretty obvious if you know your children, um, it's pretty obvious when they're struggling. And I think, you know, whether they have anxiety inwards or outwards, um, you just, you have to talk to the teachers and staff. You can't brush it under the rug. You can't just, you know, hope that they're going to outgrow it, even if it's just for that year or, you know, that particular situation, let, somebody know, like, you know, my child is struggling with this, or my child's a bit anxious about this. Because the way that people perceive kids with anxiety, um, you know, if they don't know what's going on, is they're um, a handful, or they're a baby, or they're emotional, or they're... um, loud or extra or you know there's just so many different things that I feel are just so unfair if you don't know what's going on with these kids so definitely say something let people know let your teach your your child's teacher know um, let the principals know and they can guide you to any resources that the school offers, whether it's um, because I think every school has a counselor and they all have EAs. And quite often, if you have a child that's got anxiety, um, they'll, they will make time for them, whether it's, you know, the odd counseling session or um, an EA checking in on them or whatever. Um, But just don't, don't brush it under the rug and don't ignore it and don't, you know, just hope that it's going to go away because I feel like our generation, um, there was a lot of rug, a lot of brushing under the rug. And now as adults, um, I don't feel like we cope very well. (laughs) Like my generation, my generation, I don't know about your generation. I think you guys are, I think you guys are doing okay. I think it's like 50 50 out here, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you, yeah, like you're, um, you guys' group of friends, like you guys all seem pretty solid. I know. We, we're, we, I think we've all turned out well. I think there's some, you know, people in my world who, um, unfortunately never had these supports or or supportive parents like yourself or somebody to advocate for them right because when you're a kid that's what you need really you need somebody who's there and who's willing to go to bat for you and is going to be your safe place right so that you can venture out into the world and I think by missing out on that aspect and then not getting the support throughout school people turn to other things to cope, whether it be weed, food, alcohol. So I think there's a part of our generation who's like doing the work, who's trying to be healthy and go through these things. And there's still remnants from, you know, what you were saying about your generation coming through. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my generation, I feel, um, I don't think that anxiety was ever something that was talked about. Well, it definitely wasn't like when I was a kid, um, you know, boys didn't cry. If you were, if you were hurt, you basically brushed it off. And so now it's funny because you'll hear somebody be like, Oh, kids nowadays, and you know, they, they'll never know. And, and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, man, brutal. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't think our generation copes very well. I think everybody's uh, kind of living life and getting through each day and with whatever means they, they need. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we, (laughs) I don't know if we did all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, and what I'm hearing too throughout your daughter's journey with anxiety is that it's 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 a, it's a warning sign, right? Of something yeah. else that's going on. So when you can look at it that way um, and help, you know, obviously if it's a kid struggling, help them develop their own self-awareness to, to see what's going on in their world that is causing this reaction. And I think that's what some adults are missing is that that self-awareness to be like, okay, this is a reaction to something. What's going on that is causing this anxiety for me? And then yeah. coping with it in a adaptive, helpful way, right? But yeah. our society doesn't support us that way. Um, that's why people then turn to drinking a couple of glasses of wine at night to go to sleep, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, for me personally, like I, you know, had issues with alcohol um, for a few years of my life. And, you know, I haven't had a drop of alcohol in 17 years. So for me, my coping strategies um, for work and life and stress and all of that is running. Mm. So I run and, and, uh, you know, exercise and I just, I mean, I'm a busy mom as it is. But for me, running is my, um, my go to and I didn't pick that up until I was 35. So, yeah, I think I think when we were young, it was just uh, it was just taboo. It was just something that wasn't discussed. And, you know, now as an adult, like I know what anxiety is and I know when I'm feeling it and I know what's bringing it on and I know what to avoid. And, you know, with with the kids with with anxiety, um, when I talk about tools, Another thing too is nothing is really concrete. Nothing is ever really um, the magic potion. Like mm. it also depends on the day. It depends on the situation. And sometimes, you know, a bath will work and sometimes talking about it will work and sometimes nothing will work. And she just needs to, um, I just need to keep her home that day. Or she just needs to um, dance or, you know, do something that she can just kind of release it and do it on her own. But there's no, there's no magic potion. It's each situation for itself. You have to just kind of, but if you're aware and if you, you know, get to know your kids' triggers and get to know their cues, then it's not as scary. As like when we first started going through it when she was in grade two and it was happening and we were in it like I I thought my kid was going crazy like I was just like I didn't know what was going on and I wasn't sleeping I wasn't eating I I wasn't functioning and another thing too that I learned um, that was huge with her was co-regulation mm. so she would be anxious and then I would be anxious and then we were just a big mess. So I had to learn to either separate myself from her and my husband would step in or um, I would just have to kind of, you know, sit with it and sit with her and we would just kind of come out of it together, you know, just with, some snuggles or watching a movie or whatever, like I would just, I would try and, and get me to a place that I wanted to get her to. So co-regulation is also um, huge, but when you're a parent and you're going through that, it's hard. I bet. And yeah. I, I, feel like this is going to be so helpful for parents to hear, especially if they're going through something like this and aren't completely aware of what's going on. And I would love to um, link up that course that you took as well for as a resource for um, other people who are are interested in this this kind of stuff, too. So, yeah, as we yeah, close it was out with an online um, childhood anxiety course, I'll have to look for it. Um, but a bunch of them came out all at once, I noticed, after the pandemic. So it was like, yeah, it was like the world was like, oh, boy, everybody needs help. Like, <laughs> right, all... the zeitgeist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. 
that's amazing. And as we close up here, I have a closing question that I'm going to be asking all my guests. So what is a piece of wisdom that you can offer our listeners as they embark in their quest for wholeness? Um, I don't know. I think, I think just being okay with being a work in progress and being okay with, um, you know, needing to shift and make changes in your life. And it's okay. It's okay to not know who you are at any stage in your life. It's okay to have to keep growing. It's okay to have really hard times in your life and grow from it. And I think that's something that I'm learning in my late 40s is that I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to handle everything perfectly. Um, everything is a, is a lesson. Everything is something that I can grow from and I'm okay with that. That's beautiful. I love that. Okay. <laughs> anyone has any um, questions for you about this or wants to connect with you, where's the best place that they can find you? Um, they can message me through Instagram if they would like. That would work. I'm uh, Everyday Mama of Three. Awesome. I'll yeah. link up that course, um, maybe some other resources for people too, and your Instagram too, in case anyone has any questions. And I just want to thank you so much for spending this time with us today. I think it's going to be Thanks. very impactful for a lot of people. Thank you for having me. Sorry, I cried. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We're, we're criers I here. Like, I was like, no ugly crying. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this adventure today. If you're interested in learning more about holistic health or have topics that you'd like to hear on the show, connect with me over on Instagram at quest for wholeness podcast. That's all one word quest for wholeness podcast. I'll see you next time to continue our shared quest for wholeness.